Hello, Spookies. Christina here. I just want to let you know that this week's episode release is a Patreon episode. We got a little busy with some personal stuff. Work is crazy. And our next episode, which is all about La Llorona, is taking a little bit longer to research. So uh, we're releasing a Patreon episode for today. Uh, we won't normally be doing this, but uh, just to give us a little grace, we will be doing that today. But yeah, be on the lookout for our Yorona episode. It's going to be really fun. We're looking up a lot of stuff for it. Thank you. Hope you enjoy. One of the worst crimes in Mexico. This is the case of Las Pukianchis. Stories, folklore, legends. Leyendas, cuentos, y más. This is Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen, at your own risk. Hi, everyone. This is Christina. And this is MJ. And today I will be telling MJ about some of the most infamous, well, I guess some of the most known and recorded killers in Mexico. Women killers, I should specify. Las Poquianchis. You said that amazingly because in my head I can't, like I keep on reading it and my brain just, just like forgets the end every time. <laughs> And that's just like normally, or is it because of all the NyQuil you take? I don't know. <laughs> One of the both. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Las Pocianchis. Po- po- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Las Pocianchis are the most prolific killers. Or sorry, I already said this. They're the most prolific women killers probably like to date. Definitely the, the deadliest group of sisters. There are four sisters, Las Hermanas González Valenzuela, who were later given the, the nickname Las Poquianchis, and you'll learn why later. <laughs> MJ is going to be reading their early life, and then I'll go into the details of their horrific crimes. Trigger warning, this is a terribly depressing story. <laughs> so there's a lot of death, rape. It's just bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I mean, they're they're murderers, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't so know they, much about them besides that. So besides <laughs> that they were terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I did want to share some of their early life, just not to excuse them, but to kind of explain why they became terrible people. And that's not to say everyone that has gone through this same sort of experiences will become terrible killers but there are behaviors and experiences that many serial killers people who go on to murder share and so that's why i just want to share what their early childhood is like yeah like nature versus nurture yes yeah and also i want to add i listened to some podcasts that covered this story some pretty big ones and i was disgusted like they had between the four of them there was a lot of a lot of deaths like possibly up to 150 and some one of these podcasts played like an air horn like when they announced the number of deaths tacky 
gross. Yeah, distasteful. I don't distasteful. why. Yeah, because I mean this this people that were affected by this and families. There's still people that live today. So yeah, and you're gonna we're we'll be sharing some of their comments, family members and stuff. Mm-hmm. So because I think it's important when you're sharing these stories to hear who was affected by it. Not just, you know, make jokes and witty comments about these murders, you know, murderers. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, not a lot. Like some people, there's like lists and lists of people that were of the victims, you know, but uh, not for them. There's only like one name is known for sure. But there's like just a bunch of unknown, unknown victims. Yeah. So yeah, go on, go on with their with their early life. Okay, early life. The four sisters, from the eldest to the youngest, were Delfina, born in 1912, Maria del Carmen, born in 1918, Maria Luisa, born in 1920, and Maria de Jesus, born in 1924. They were born in El Salto, Jalisco. Some accounts state they were born in Juan. Oh my god, that's a difficult name. Juanacatlan. <laughs> Juanacatlan, yeah. Not El Salto. Other sources say Maria Luisa was was the youngest, with Maria de Jesus being older than her. Other sources say born in 1910, 1921, and 1922, respectively. Delfina, Luisa, and Maria del Maria de Jesus. I'm inclined to believe wait, wait. Yeah, so some say Delfina was the one born in 1910, Luisa 1921, and Maria de Jesus in 1922. In case mm-hmm. that didn't make sense the way I wrote it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Their, fa- their father, Isidro, was a shopkeeper who later became chief of police. Like, he just declared himself chief of police. That's... Yeah, there was no, like, <laughs> process to become chief of police. He was just like, me, I'm in charge. I mean, that's also, I hear, I have heard stories where people just appoint themselves alcalde, which means mayor. Uh-huh. And yeah. Some t- so similar. Mean, yeah, similar. Especially back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're like the richest, whatever, who's going to stop you? Nobody. Exactly. Their mother, Bernadina, was extremely religious to the point of instilling a cult-like worship to, to Catholicism. Oh, I have family like her. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. Both abusive in their own ways, Isidro was an alcoholic sexist man who abused his power as chief of police. He would force the sisters to watch as he tortured the people he arrested. He would beat them and had insanely strict rules. He regularly used the cells he had access to as chief of police to punish his daughters. That's messed. Yeah, he just ar- arrested them, incarcerated them as punishment. No reason to like arrest, like no crime. Just he just decided, oh, you're being indecent, and would like put them in the cell. What the hell? Mm-hmm. That is total abuse of power. Yeah. Carmen, the eldest, in her attempt to leave this dysfunctional and abusive environment, got with a man much older than her and tried to run away. This made Isidro furious, and he found her, yanked her by the hair, hit her, and dragged her to a cell where he incarcerated her. Due to her indecent behavior, he went on with his normal shift where he unjustly shot a man. He went on the run, hiding out in different ranches in Jalisco and left Carmen in jail, where she remained for 14 months. Wow. Yeah, 14 months. 
And he's just like, whatever. Like, nobody let her out. He didn't come back. Wow. 14 months, she was released by an older man, but only with the promise that she would marry him if he released her. And who the hell fed her? Because 14 months, she had to be... I, got, I I mean, this is horrible. I mean, she was, yeah. you know, from what I gather, a horrible person, but this was horrible, too. This was pre... Pre... Her horrible acts as a person. Yeah. Like, I, th- I don't know how old she was. Nothing really says how old they were during this time, so... I'm guessing, like, teenagers. Especially if she was, like, of the age of 18, marriage. 18 at most. Yeah. Yeah. Some accounts vary here in some... The family flees their hometown together and others, the sister, are left to, f- to fend for themselves while their father was in hiding. And this prompted them to add on the Valenzuela to Gonzalez to disassociate themselves from their father. I mean, I can't blame them. I would, too. Yeah. Carmen then married a 50-year-old grocer. Like yeah, a grocery so store the, owner? The documentary I watched and all the articles online said... Tiendero Cincuenton. <laughs> I don't know what oh that God. means. I'm assuming tienda is where I'm getting the store grocer from. Yeah, like he, he was 50 and he owned a store. I think is what that meant. Yeah, like a like a mom and pop's grocery store, something like that. Yeah, but he left her when she got pregnant. During this time, she was also a sex worker and a concubine. She then met another much older man, Jesus El Gato Var- Vargas. And they opened up a, a cantina. Cantina, okay. I think like a bar. Yeah, una, a bar, right? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. But it was un, unsuccessful because El Gato spent any profit they had on alcohol. This was still a regular and perfect legal canteen. Delfina, inspired by Carmen, decided she would do the same, only she opened a brothel. Yes. And so this is where they kind of start doing evil shit starting with delfina who was the worst of them of the four sisters so delfina opened up her brothel in el salto jalisco which is where my grandpa's from by the way (laughs) Hmm. anyway this was hidden as a regular bar because and because there was less regulation away from the big cities it made it easier for her to operate the illegal brothel and she opened this and she was like, no, man's going to help me. I'm going to run this by myself because she saw what happened to her sister, Carmen, how the guy would take the money and, you know, spend it on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is where she started ha- um, kidnapping girls from 12 to 15 from nearby cities to force them to work for her. And wow. not surprising to me, but many of the articles were like, this is so surprising. And I was like, really? I don't think so. Anyway, it's, uh, military officers, soldiers, police officers, and politicians were the majority of her clients. Of course. Yeah, I was not surprised by that. But in 1948, due to stricter laws, she was forced to close her brothel and then move it to San Juan de los Lagos, Jalisco. Another um, city, a town a few uh, hours away. Not It's not that far away from El Salto. And then she named it El Guadalajara de la Noche. This is where the three sisters began helping with the business. Uh, they were in charge of the kitchen and collecting cash, like a, the cash register. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Carmen took it upon herself to start selling makeup, clothes, and other personal objects to the... 
I don't know what to call them. Workers? They're not workers because they're forced to be there. Slaves? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they were sort of. I mean, they were slaves. Yeah. Yeah. And she did this. She sold it to them at an insane price, making the girls indebted to her. So this essentially forced them into indentured servitude. Would that, Mm -hmm. Would that be it? Slavery? I don't know what you want to call it, but like... I would say... This reminds me very much of Los uh, los Haciendados, where um, they would have, like, their own little, like, place where the Hacienda would sell and their workers could only buy from that little store. Yes. And they would raise the prices and they could only be bought with, like, money or currency, I guess, from the Hacienda. So it was, like, this weird system of of uh exactly the same yeah and then two weeks after opening guadalajara de noche de la noche in san juan de los lagos delfina had enough money to move her brothel to san francisco del rincón guanajuato where brothels were legal here they bought a brothel that had belonged to a gay man whose nickname was el poquianchis and this was mm. the nickname then given to the sisters because that's what the building was known as. And so then they began just calling them Las Poquianchis. Mm. Once this brothel was successful, Maria de Jesus took two of the imprisoned girls that were imprisoned by Delfina. And then she opened a brothel named La Casa Blanca in León, Guanajuato. So at this point, they have two. And she opened La Casa Blanca through bribes, um, money, and sex with uh, El Alcalde, the governor, and po- police officers that were there. This let her operate it. And she had the same kind of clients that Delfina did as well. And I'm sure you won't be surprised by this either. And I, I'm going to need help translating it. <laughs> el Sacerdote y el Sacristán de la Parroquia de León. The priest, and I don't know what the other one is, Sacristan. but like, what's parroquia? yeah, I don't know that one. Parroquia is a parish? church, parish, yeah, pretty much. What was the other word I were? Sacristan, Sacristan. I never heard it before. Sacristan. A friar, no, that but this is the sexton of the parish church. I don't know what that I don't means know either. what those do. A person in charge of a sacristy and its contents. Oh, I think it's the um the person who's in charge of the uh is would it be the Eucharist? Like the you know how they have to bring out the stuff? Maybe. Sacristy also called vestry in architecture, a room in a Christian church in which vestments and sacred objects used in the services are stored and in which the clergy and sometimes the altar boys and the choir members put on their robes. Oh, it's like the person who's in charge of all the um items needed for Oh, okay. the priest and for the church. Wow. Okay, so yeah. So that person and the priest were regular clients there. Checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not surprising, but all the articles that I read were like, surprisingly. And in order to have enough uh, girls for their two brothels, they began kidnapping and tricking girls from all over Jalisco, Guanajuato, even other states like Michoacán and Zacatecas. Aside from just straight up taking girls off the streets, like yanking them into vans or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there was actual vans. <laughs> it's just what I imagine. A white van, you know. 
<laughs> I don't know if that was the case, but they were just pulling these girls out of the streets. They were also telling them that they would be working as maids and even had consent from parents because some of these girls, again, they were as young as 12. And these were hard times in Mexico at the time. So, you know, everyone was working in any way they could. And parents were like, yeah, you can go help these ladies look like they're good. I don't know. They they let these girls go with them. And it was all a lie, of course. Once the kidnapped girls arrived at the brothels, they were raped, showered in freezing water, drugged, and then put out to work that same night. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Once girls reached the age of 25, they were considered too old and too ugly, and they were sent to what they call a verdugo, which just means a man that tortures, who beat them, starved them to death. And then either if they if they didn't die from the starvation, then he would bury them alive. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then as you said in the beginning, MJ, the mom gave them a cult-like belief of Catholicism. So mm-hmm. uh, aside from all this illegal, immoral stuff they were doing, the sisters were highly religious and they had many rules. And uh, they believe that uh, it was offensive to God if the girls did any kissing, any sexual acts between the girls, any anal. And so if a client requested any of this, they were either banned for life or killed. And then the four sisters had surveillance on the girls. There was like little holes in the rooms so that they would look inside and make sure none of this was happening. And if they saw some of this happening, the girls were punished heavily. So they were forced to kneel with bricks in their hands. They were beaten with a bat that had nails attached to it. And they were starved. And this is just a few of the things they did to the girls. If they were caught not following these rules... They got that, uh, you know, they got the whole, like, sexual thing out of the butt, but not this. Mm-hmm. Not the... T- mm. Yeah. Makes no sense. But at the same time, I, I mean, totally how- understand it. Because, like, you look at cartels doing shitty-ass things, and they're highly religious, too. Yes. I mean, Christians in general. I mean, look what they did. They committed, like, mass genocide. Like... They won't allow certain things, but hold on. Genocide and murder, totally fine. Right, yeah. And, I mean, not just like a lot of religions, they just have all these strict rules about certain things, but then go and ar- turn around and, like, commit murder, you know? Like, it's just, yeah, I that don't is get true. It. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah, terrible. Ugh. And then, in 1963, brothels became illegal in Guanajuato, and the girl, the girls, the sisters, the evil sisters, moved their brothels back to Lagos de Moreno, Jalisco. And this is where you could say their downfall began. Delfina's son, who helped them torture and control the girls, his nickname was El Tepocate. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he got into a bar fight nearby the brothel and was killed. Then Delfina um, attempted to get revenge and kill her son's murderer. I said that weird murderer. Oh my God. Murder, murderer. What? I can't say a murderer, murderer, whatever the person who killed her son, 
she attempted to get revenge. And so she went into that bar and fired a gun, but missed. And none of the other things they were doing angered officials because, again, they were her regular customers. But this made them mad. Mm -hmm. And so they were going to arrest her for illegally charging a weapon. Not for none of the other stuff. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so Delfina uh, went into hiding in Guadalajara. And police then raided Maria de Jesus, the younger sister, uh, one of the younger sisters, her brothel, where all the girls and Maria were kept in for a day, for 24 hours. But during those 24 hours, the power went out. And so they escaped uh, during the night and they went into hiding at a different house owned by Las Poquianchis in San Francisco del Rincón, which is in Guanajuato. And the girls were forced to stay there in that house for eight months, during which they were starved and many died from starvation. And here wow. um, in this house, they like forced the girls to like beat each other and stuff like just more horrible things happened here aside from the starvation and sickness some of them killed each other wow yes and then on january 6 1964 the sisters began feeling cornered by police and they moved the girls to rancho san angel which i did not write i believe that is also in guanajuato let me double check yeah, I think so. They moved around so much, it's hard to keep track of where they were at what time. <laughs> I know, they go all over the place. Like, really back and forth from Guanajuato to Jalisco. Yeah, so Rancho San Angel, San Angel or Loma del Angel is what it was known as. And I believe it's in Guanajuato, but it might be in Jalisco. And I, 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 but I'm, I'm like 80% sure it's in Guanajuato. Anyway, do you know? Uh, yes, yes it is, yeah. Okay, so... They moved the girls to Rancho San Angel, which previously was a location that was used for the torture of the girls, the ones that were mis like supposedly misbehaving. And this is where they mm -hmm. buried all the bodies. Twelve days after moving uh, everyone over to Rancho San Angel, a, a girl, Catalina Ortega, escaped and went to the police. Ironically enough, the police that took her report was one of their regular clients. But he decided to take this, like, he didn't throw, just throw it under a rug, you know. Is that the saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'd sweep it under a rug. He didn't, like, try to hide it or anything. He listened to the to Catalina, and they went to uh, El Rancho. And the sisters denied all of the charges. But upon inspection of the place, police found 90 bodies. Damn. Yes. They were arrested but moved to a different prison than that area because there was a threat of lynching. Like, everyone just wanted to kill them for all the things they did. And they wanted to see them brought to justice, supposedly, right? Because then you'll hear what the justice was supposedly, and it's, like, barely mm -hmm. anything. I mean, I would too. Right? Honestly. I'd be like... Yeah. Hang them. Mm-hmm. So at this point, only two of the sisters were arrested. Carmen, um, the one that was overcharging all the makeup and stuff, she had previously died of mm -hmm. cancer. Ooh. And then Maria Luisa had left the business ten after 10 years. She just got her money and left. 
So this leaves uh, Delfina and Maria de Jesus. So they were the ones arrested. And then upon hearing of their arrest, Maria Luisa, she traveled to Guanajuato to see them, but then she was like abruptly arrested. Accused of Satanism and brujería, neither was real. But, you know, anything horrible that happens, anything heinous, horrible crimes, they're immediately blamed on Satanism and brujería, it seems. But you know what? The irony is they were so religious and so culty that they were blamed for something that they would probably never, like, to them would be the most horrific thing, you know, which is like Satanism. And they were blamed for that. Right. And then due to errors in the investigation, many of the people that worked for them were released. So there's one guy, El Capitan was his nickname. He was Delfina's boyfriend. He was the one who did all the torturing, beating, starving them to death at um, Mm -hmm. Rancho San Angel. So this guy, Mm -hmm. he was told at 76 years old that he would be released and then he immediately died of a heart attack from the excitement of the news of being released what the- <laughs> right oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that was his demise i don't feel bad for laughing Me neither. <laughs> fuck that guy <laughs> okay and then uh, delfina so in 1978 while in jail there was some construction going on, and somehow a bucket of cement fell on Delfina, and then she died. <laughs> out of out of everything, yeah. a bucket of cement. Mm-hmm. That's some like Looney Tunes type shit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and then Maria de Jesus, she was released after her sentence, which was forty years, uh, not a long time. <laughs> That is not a no. Mm-hmm. Oh, but isn't like Mexico or whatever like when you kill somebody or you get charged with murder? I think it's only like forty years because we went over that one. Yeah, case it used to be. I don't know when it changed, time. but yeah, when we talked about um, La Casa de Mijangos, so Claudia Mijangos, yeah. she committed murder. She killed her children, and yeah, she was sentenced to forty years because this was the maximum sentence. And I don't think it's the case anymore. I think now they do it like here, where it's like a, a life sentence. For life. Okay, because I know she was that other Mihangos, whatever her name was, uh, was released like two years ago. Yeah, three and she ago? spent two, she did her three? forty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the case with Maria de Jesus, who was released after the forty years. She remarried like right away. Which I, I, who, why, who would want to, knowing who they were, because this case was all over the media, was sensationalized. Sensationalized? Sensationalized? Yeah. I also feel like there, it's like, you know, how like serial killers have groupies. Yeah. Which is disgusting. Yeah. But they do. I think it's like that kind of situation. Yeah. So she immediately remarried and then just kind of disappeared, stayed low. I don't know if she's still alive or not. She could be. That's crazy. I hope not. Right? <laughs> and then, but essentially she got a happy ending. And I'm like, that's not that's fair. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we just. <laughs> <laughs> so Maria Luisa, she received the shortest sentence out of all of them because she took off after the first 10 years. So she didn't participate in like the worst part of it all. 
But she ended up going mad, like insane, you know, her mental health deteriorated. A more respectful way to say that, I guess. And she ended Mm -hmm. up at a mental hospital and she died in the mental hospital. Oh. And then again, the oldest Carmen had died from cancer before all this happened. A lot of the girls that were uh, imprisoned by them, forced into sex work, trafficked by them, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of them were initially arrested, which I was like, why? But then a lot of them were, they were all released. Except there was three of them that helped them kidnap girls. I don't, I didn't write down their names or anything, but. But I also feel like they were first, like um, there's been cases where um, kid, uh, kidnapped victims are forced to get other uh, you know other exactly people. and so I, think, I don't blame them it's like yeah. uh, they're in a state of survival exactly yeah so and i think they ended up being released too because again uh, the investigation was like botched and there was mm-hmm. no evidence so a lot of the people that were arrested for helping them were released like that guy who then died of a heart attack mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah so i'm thinking that those three were probably released although this isn't official this is just me guessing I would think so. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, that is Las Pokianchis. And you know, it's funny because not funny. It's ironic. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's like they committed these horrible things, right? And Mm -hmm. they're like, they went down in the history of Mexico as being the most notorious female killers. But you think about what's going on now in places like Ciudad Juarez, where like a woman is killed like every one in I don't know or every day there's like eight women killed or it's something very close to that and not to mention disappeared women forced into things by cartels like and cartels themselves like there's people out there probably committing similar crimes that just are not are just going by unnoticed because of the state of I mean the Mexico right now you know so it's just it's interesting that they're like horror they're demonized they were like there was like articles coming out about them like mujeres del diablo but there's men that committed similar crimes and they were not described in the same way by the media Mm -hmm. like obviously they did horrible things and i'm not like defending them but it's just interesting that they were like super 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 demonized and called all these things but then like they're quiet when a man does it. Yes, exactly. That's where I was trying to and go. And especially with that. because femicides are so rampant right now. Like, as you were saying, in, in Mexico, like, oh, the entire country, like, women are being killed for being women. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. But yeah, that was the story of Las Pocanchis, and they're terrible. And did you write down some some of the comments from people? Yes, I screenshotted a whole bunch. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I made a TikTok about them a few months ago, and so many, so many people commented. And I actually, my my mom's, so I think a sister of my grandpa was, mm-hmm. like, almost taken by them. Mm-hmm. But... One of them, like, stopped them from, stopped, like, one of the persons, someone in my family stopped them from being, like, physically pulled into, like, their vehicle or whatever. Mm. So, yeah, I, I guess one of my grandpa's sisters were, was almost taken by them. Oh, my goodness. That is terrifying. 
Yeah, but so many, so people that have covered this, like so many podcasts, nobody like really talks about the victims of them. So we just kind of want to do that a little bit as best as we can. Okay, so this is one comment and it said, one of my mom's cousins was taken by them. The girl was sweeping outside. A lady stopped in her car asking for directions, then forced her in a car. So this is very similar to what you were saying right now with um, your grandpa's sister, except they actually succeeded in this one. Yeah. And then another comment says, I am from San Francisco del Rincón, Guanajuato. These sisters used to have a house by some lake. They called it Ojos de Agua. Apparently, they tried to kidnap one of my aunts in the 80s. And under that comment, it says, Mi, ab mi abuelita vive cerca de Purísima y nos contaba la historia de cómo una mujer iba al rancho a llevarse uh, young girls to work as maids, supposedly. So um, what that says is um, my grandmother lived near Purísima, and they would tell us how a woman would go to the ranches there and to take young women to be maids. Terrible. Is, yeah. And then another comment. Oh, my God. My dad lived across from them and would tell me stories. His uncle was their personal driver. Mm, I remember that. that. Yeah. Oh, one of them was my grandma's godmother, and my grandma would help them at the bar they had. They also kidnapped girls from El Salto, Jalisco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is one of, where one of the main brothels was. Was, yeah. And then another comment. My mom is Juan Juanacatlan. I, can, I cannot say that fast. Juanacatlan. Juanacatlan. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, said she went to Guadalajara to work as a maid. Till this day, she won't speak about the experience. I can't blame her. Yeah. Because honestly, that, it's horrible. That one hurts to read. It's like, damn. Ugh. What? Yeah. Like, if to, to the point where you're traumatized, can't even speak about it. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. And then um, this one user go says, my mom told me about their story. It is so sad to know a lot of girls died. And they were even pregnant girls that were buried alive. That's fucked. Yes. And, you know, um, to go back to that, a lot of articles and a lot of other podcasts said that there was a lot of infant bodies found. But from what I've read, that that because a lot of them said that they k would kill all the pregnant women. Um, but that I don't think that's true because children were found with the, yeah. the girls. The ones that had been in what's it called Loma Loma del Angel, mm -hmm. the last place where they where they found all the girls, mm -hmm. there was kids with them. So I don't think they killed all pregnant women or or killed all the babies because there was children found with them. Yeah, it might have been like part of their like like their uh, Catholic cultism um, where you're not allowed to harm children. So I think that kind of came into play. And if that did, well, you know. Thank goodness, because, I mean, they're kids. It could be that. A part of me feels like they kept girls so that they could later work for them. Oh, that too. And maybe the bodies that were found were ye boys. Oh, yes. That could have been it, too. Mm-hmm. Just, ugh, terrible. Disgusting. Yeah. So, I got another comment. It says, my abuelita, rest in peace, worked for Las Pocianchis. She was in charge of one of those houses and collected the money from the 
Pro prostis, aka maids. That's crazy. There's a lot of like, wow. like um, you know, people who have first accounts, first hand accounts from people who've known these women. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's it's so wild to me that in those comments, there's people whose tias, grandmas were mm -hmm. taken, and at the same time, people that worked for the Spokianchis. Mm -hmm. It's so weird it's weird yes and then this is another another um user says my hubby was from my hubby has family members that were stolen in michoacan by these ladies yeah they went all like the, it was like their reach was far mm -hmm. Ooh, and this one's a good one this user said me abuelita used to tell a story of this lady coming over to her house to talk her mom into letting my abuelita go go work with her and he doesn't say it's it's suspected it was one of these but i mean from the comment it very well could have been mm -hmm. uh, another user says my grandpa grew up living with these ladies in leon for some time <gasps> i think the only thing that like the saving grace for that grandpa was uh, that he was male yeah. <laughs> because oh uh, this other user says dude this is so true my grandma would hide my aunts and my mom when these ladies would show up at the Pueblo in Jalisco. I mean, yes. I would be yeah. going in, like, like large groups. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, the bathroom rule, except everywhere. Uh-huh, yeah. Always have a, a buddy a, a or buddy. three or five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, it says, uh, other user says, no way. They had a bar in a small ranch known as El Tecolote, Guanajuato. My mom is from there, and they almost caught my grandmother. That's scary. Yeah. And another user put, I used to live four blocks away from their brothel in Leon. So it has to be, yeah. So this is, I think the one in Leon is the one that they got from the guy named Pocianchis, which they still named Guadalajara de la Noche. Or yeah, it could have been a Casa Blanca. One of the two. two there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's all I went through all that's all I got right now, but I'm pretty sure as time goes on, we're probably gonna get more. Mm -hmm. we might read them more, but oh my god. This is hor horrifying. Like <laughs> Yeah. And this stuff still happens today in a sense because we always hear about um uh, what, there was a story not too long ago where this girl went to um, this middle school and uh, was trying to get a, a a student out of class, knew all the student's information, address, and everything. And this happened, like, last week. It was so, like, uh, which I wish I would have saved it. But um, she was trying to get this this girl out of class and then the school called the den and it's like hey this this woman is trying to you know take out your daughter but she's not on the contact list for the school and the dad was like we don't know who she is they um the police interviewed the the girl and she was like i you know i never met met her in my life so this human trafficking thing is still going on and there are people who Damn. you know don't do this but still are trying to take girls. And this, again, this child was in middle school and this happened last week here in the States, by the way. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, it still happens. Yeah. I do want to point out most trafficking worldwide in the United States, most of it is by people 
you know, it's mm-hmm. rare that it's a stranger. Obviously, the case you just mentioned is a stranger, and so was everything that Spokianchis did. But most of the time, it's someone you know. And, uh, you know, this also reminds me of, like, you know how um, there's a lot of rich people who do, you know, use human trafficking and, you know, abuse women and and men from those human trafficking rings. But the population for rich people is very small. And the people who continue and, and I guess, I don't know, make this, like, industry as thriving still today is regular, regular dudes. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I don't know if you remember uh, last year, Mm -hmm. uh, all those protests were going on with people holding signs like the rich or Hollywood Mm -hmm. is doing this, but like, no, it's not. They may be the customers of these people, but the people, people taking kids, trafficking them, they are your regular local people. Most of it is super, super local. Like, yes. it's always someone you know. Like, yes. when you look at the, like, one of the most, you know, wildest cases to come to light, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Epstein, his, mm-hmm. even his rings were local. Like, one girl started it and then she would go back to the high school to come get her friends to do it. And mm-hmm. it's and it, and not to, obviously not to blame these girls. A lot of them are coerced into doing it, but that was obviously all local too. Like a lot yes. of it is it's not these super rich Hollywood that's trafficking these children. Mm-hmm. There's not enough. Like this is like literally happens in every town, especially yeah. with um with sex workers who who you know um who don't do it the legal way. I guess uh, for you know a way to phrase it um and again it's regular degular dudes and i'm going to say men because for the most part it's it's men are the clientele um yeah who purchase this disgusting service and continue the kidnapping of children and women and yeah. i'm going to say children because a lot of them are children there's a few women here and there but for the most part, I feel like they get them underage. Um, yeah, and, and sadly, the most of the people trafficked are people of color. Yes, that's where we're exactly. That's where you. Uh, that's what I was gonna say. Exactly, a lot of them are people of color, and then um, kids in the system in the foster system. Mm-hmm. So specifically, people of color in the foster system, children of color in the foster system, and a lot of times it's like someone a, a girl it's usually because it's usually a girl will mm-hmm. meet a teenager will meet a boyfriend who she thinks is gonna get her out of this he starts out nice and then he starts trafficking her when he and abusing like mm-hmm. it's usually a lot of a lot of that is that's how it goes yes because i mean if anything have sh- has shown us is was the the gabby girl is that all the the people of color around her area did not get the same coverage as her and that's why it's so easy to take women and children of color because we do not you know when one of us goes missing they don't give a shit about us and that's just yeah that's just facts um which is also um i it also has to do with um the no more stolen sisters movement which is uh to bring awareness to the huge amounts of uh indigenous women that are being murdered and stolen and kidnapped 
And I'm pretty sure it goes into this whole human trafficking thing because the amount is, it's just too huge to ignore. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it has to do a lot with um, this human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And as always, the most marginalized are the most at risk. It's they're they're easier to take because no one makes noise. Yeah. So yeah, that uh, that is our episode. <laughs> I'm sorry for being so depressing. <laughs> but I, I feel depressed now. <laughs> a good learning experience, especially for those um, who had no idea. Yeah. Well, I feel like we should we should do something to bring up the mood. <laughs> so I don't know what. Um, <laughs> No, I have nothing. I'm just going to stay sad. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be gonna, sad. It's, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, stay a spooky. I hope you enjoyed this episode, this terrible, terrible story. And we'll catch everyone next time. Yes. Bye. Bye. Shout out to our spookies supporting us on Patreon. Dalia, Martin, Mariela, Cleo, Rene, Yamaris, Iris, ghost train and mantown charity thank you so much for your support it means the world to us spooky tales is hosted by christina and mj edited and produced by christina if you're looking for extra ways to support the show you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash spooky tales and you can also check out our patreon for bonus episodes and more go to spookytales.com slash support But of course, you have our eternal gratitude for just listening. Stay as spooky.